Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. Our scripture reading today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, the verses 12 through 16. Let us hear the word of God. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sit in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. And the text for the sermon today is the verses that we have just read together. Matthew 4, the verses 12 through 16. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, the Bible uses many metaphors to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. He is compared in Scripture to a vine, to a shepherd, a door, bread, and many other things besides. And each of these metaphors is full of meaning and significance. But of all of the metaphors which the Bible uses to describe Christ, one of the most striking is light. Many times the scriptures refer to Christ as the light. After introducing Jesus as the creative word of God in John 1 verses 1 to 3, the Apostle John writes that in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He then goes on to tell us in verse 8 that John the Baptist was sent from God to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Jesus himself compared himself to light. In John 8 verse 12, Jesus said to the Jews, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And a few chapters later, John 9, verse 5, he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And a few chapters after that, in John 12, verses 35 and 36, he says, Yet a little while is the light with you. He was referring to himself, of course. And he went on to say, Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. Jesus is light. And not just any light, but he is the ultimate light. He is the light to which all other lights point. He is the light of the world. Well, our text passage today also refers to Jesus as light. In fact, he is a special kind of light. He is a light that shone in Galilee. Now this, of course, raises a number of questions. In what sense is Jesus the light? 
And why did this light shine especially in Galilee? What does this mean to us today? What lessons can we learn from this? Well, let us find out as we meditate on this portion of the Word of God together. The theme for the sermon today is Christ the Light Shining in Darkness. And we'll consider, first of all, the location of this darkness, and secondly, the reaction to this light. The events of our text took place towards the end of the first year of Jesus' earthly ministry. For reasons not known to us, Matthew does not record what transpired during this period. But the Apostle John does in John 1 through 4. From these chapters, we learn that many things happened, especially in Judea, where Jesus spent most of his time. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. He was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. John the Baptist declared him to be the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Jesus had called his first disciples. He had performed his first miracle, the changing of the water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. He had chased out the money changers from the temple in Jerusalem. And so many things had happened. And what is more, Jesus' ministry was richly blessed. He had won many converts. In John 3, verse 26, we read that the disciples of John came to John one day and informed him that Jesus and his disciples were baptizing and that, and I quote, all men were coming to him. And in John 4, verse 2, we read that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. But then rather abruptly, Jesus departed to go into Galilee. Why did he do this? Why did Jesus depart? Why leave Judea when the work there was going so well and was being so richly blessed? Well, Matthew hints at the reason for this in the first part of verse 12. And there he refers to the imprisonment of John the Baptist. Sometime earlier, John had rebuked Herod Antipas, who was the puppet king of the Jews, for marrying his brother's wife Herodias while his brother was still alive. And this was clearly contrary to the law of God. And so John openly, publicly condemned him for it. Now Herod, of course, didn't appreciate that. And so even though he respected John and even though he heard him gladly, promptly and probably at the urging of his wife, shut him up in prison. And upon hearing this, Matthew says, Jesus departed. Verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. You see, Jesus knew that with John in prison, there would be no one to preach the gospel of repentance. Jesus could not and would not allow that to happen. For this is the reason why he had come to the world. And so he continued the work which John had started. We read in verse 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You notice what Jesus preached. He didn't preach, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He didn't preach that you can be wealthy and healthy. He preached the necessity of repentance. 
He preached the necessity of turning from sin, forsaking sin, and living a new and holy life. This is the same message that John himself preached. Only Jesus preached it not in Judea, but in Galilee. Why Galilee? Well, several reasons. First of all, the people of Judea had already heard this message through the mouth of John the Baptist. And now it was time to preach that same message to the other territory of the Jews, Galilee. Secondly, the situation in Judea was becoming too dangerous. In John 4, verses 1 to 3, we read that when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, then we read this significant statement, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Well, you notice how John connects the departure of Jesus into Galilee with the fact that the Pharisees knew that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. So we get the impression from this that the Pharisees were worried about Jesus. He was becoming more popular even than John the Baptist. And that worried them. That concerned them. They felt threatened by him. Perhaps some were even plotting already then to get rid of him. But Jesus' time had not yet come. He still had much work to do. And he knew this, and so he retreated north to Galilee. But Matthew directs our attention to yet another reason. Jesus went to Galilee in order to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And notice what Matthew writes in Matthew 4, verses 13 to 16. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now Matthew here is quoting from Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2. In this passage, Isaiah describes the people of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now you understand that Zebulun and Naphtali were located in the northernmost region of Palestine where Galilee was located. The people who lived there, as Isaiah says, lived in great spiritual darkness. And the reason for that is because for centuries this region was greatly influenced by her pagan neighbors, the Syrians to the north and the Phoenicians to the west. They came into contact with these people almost on a daily basis. They even intermarried. And the result was that over the centuries, the people of this region were regarded, rightly or wrongly, especially by the Jews in Jerusalem, as half-heathen, which explains why Isaiah calls this region Galilee of the Gentiles. Now these same attitudes persisted into the New Testament period. You may recall when Philip informed Nathanael that he had found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael rather indignantly said, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? You see, Nathanael, reflecting the prejudices of his time, simply could not believe 
that the promised Messiah would come from a backward, irreligious, half-heathen place like Galilee. To the Jews living at that time, especially the Jews in Judea, Galilee was a land of darkness and death. It was Galilee of the Gentiles. Now concerning this region, Isaiah makes an astounding prophecy. He says that the day will come when a great light will shine on this land. Now that, of course, raises the question, who or what is this light? And Matthew answers that question in our text. It is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Christ is the great light which shone on the people of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now in what sense was Jesus a light? Well, the word light as here in our text, is often contrasted with darkness. Darkness is often associated with ignorance. For example, people who do not know or who do not have a right understanding of the word of God are often said to be in darkness. Light, on the other hand, is often associated with knowledge, usually knowledge that is imparted by means of revelation. And so people who do know and who do have a right understanding of the truth of the word of God, they are often said to be in the light. Now, that's precisely the meaning here. Christ is the light in that he revealed the truth of the word of God to men who otherwise would never have known it. And that is very true. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, many people, not just in Galilee, but in Judea as well, walked in darkness, spiritual darkness. There was very little evidence of true religion, even among the most religious of the Jews. The religion of the Jews by this time had become a complicated system of do's and don'ts. It was pure legalism. But when Jesus came, he restored the religion of the Jews to its original purity. He taught the people that salvation was not a matter of do's and don'ts. Salvation was not something that you could earn by keeping the law and the tradition of the elders. Sinners, he taught, were saved by grace through faith in himself. And so, in so doing, he shone as a light in the darkness. He revealed the true religion which for centuries had been shrouded in darkness. What is more, he revealed it to people whom we would least expect to come into contact with it. We might have expected Jesus to shed his light on the people of Judea. After all, that's where the temple was. The holy city of Jerusalem was there. This is where the political and religious elites of the people lived. But he didn't do so. Instead, he went to Galilee, to the outcasts, to the people who were despised and rejected and ignorant, to the people who lived in darkness and in the land of the shadow of death. Why did he do that? Well, he did this to signal the kind of people that Jesus had come to save. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus associated with the most unlikely people, women, children, publicans and prostitutes, lepers, the sick, the outcasts of society, the riffraff, the people who no one cared about and even despised. He ate with them. 
He healed them. He taught them. He befriended them. He associated with them so much, in fact, that toward the end of his ministry, his enemies accused him of being a friend of publicans and sinners. But what was meant as an epithet of scorn and ridicule was for Jesus a badge of honor. Jesus was indeed the friend of publicans and sinners. They are the ones whom he had come to seek and to save. As he himself had said on one occasion, he had not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Unworthy, hell-deserving sinners. Sinners who lie in the midst of death. Sinners who are nothing in themselves, whose only hope is in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. What is more, remember, he was called Jesus of Nazareth. He was not ashamed to identify himself with the most lowly and despised members of Jewish society. And this is still true today. Still today, the Lord Jesus comes to call sinners to repentance. Unworthy, hell-deserving sinners. The despised, the rejected, the riffraff. My friend, have you responded to that call? Oh, never think that you are too sinful or too unworthy to come to Jesus. If Jesus went to Galilee, if he ate with publicans and sinners, if he was willing to be called Jesus of Nazareth, then he's willing and able to have dealings with you as well. And so Jesus departed into Galilee. That's where he let his light shine. Now, what was the reaction to that light? We turn to that now under our second point. Aside from a few short trips to Jerusalem, usually to celebrate one or the other feast day, Jesus spent most of his earthly ministry in Galilee. This is where he performed most of his miracles. The turning of the water into wine at the wedding feast at Cana. The healing of the nobleman's son. The raising of the widow's son at Nain. The raising of the daughter of Jairus, the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 and many others. This is also where Jesus did much of his teaching. Many times Jesus taught in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is where he delivered his famous discourse on the bread of life, which we can read of in John chapter 6. This is also where he preached his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we can read in Matthew's, Matthew 5 through 7. Now, what was the reaction to all of these miracles and all of this teaching? Well, at first, the people received him warmly, and they followed him in droves. But as time went on, they rejected him. We have a foreshadowing of this early in Jesus' ministry. Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue. And while he was there, the ruler of the synagogue handed him the scroll of Isaiah and invited him to read a passage. And Jesus turned to Isaiah 61. And there he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
Upon reading these words, Jesus returned the scroll to the ruler of the synagogue and sat down. Meanwhile, the people in the synagogue waited to hear what he would say. And after what must have been an awkward silence, Jesus opened his mouth and said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And the people were shocked and amazed. They could not believe that Jesus claimed to be the fulfillment of this scripture. They couldn't understand how Jesus could say such things. Is this not Joseph's son, they said. And then Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said this, You will surely say unto me, This proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Eliseus the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And then we read that all they that were in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. The people of Nazareth were so incensed at Jesus' words that they wanted to throw him over a cliff. Knowing that his time had not yet come, however, Jesus forced his way through the crowd and settled in Capernaum. Later in his ministry, Jesus preached in Nazareth again. We read of that in Matthew 13, verses 54 to 58. Once again, the people were astonished. And they said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man these things? And we read in verse 57, And they were offended in him. And commenting on their reaction, Jesus said to them again, A prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. And in verse 58 we read, And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Mark in his gospel says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. And the reaction to Jesus was no different in the other cities of Galilee, including Capernaum, which served as Jesus' home base for most of his earthly ministry. In fact, only halfway through his earthly ministry, Jesus rebuked these cities for their unbelief. We read of that in Matthew 11, verses 20 to 24. We read these words. Then began he, that is Jesus, to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. And he said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. 
But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Yes, in spite of the many miracles which Jesus performed, in spite of the many sermons that he preached, the vast majority of his people in Galilee did not believe on him. Instead, they rejected him. They despised him. And as John writes, the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And it's still the same today. Whenever Jesus is preached, the vast majority reject him. Why? Jesus tells us in John 3, 19-21. There in his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So here we have the reason why so many reject the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because they love darkness rather than light. They want to live for themselves and the things of this world. They want to seek their own pleasure rather than the pleasure of God. They want to live the way they want to live and not the way God wants them to live. And they know that the only way that they can do this is by avoiding the light. For the light exposes them for who and what they are, and that is something they cannot and will not tolerate. And so like bugs under a rock, they flee from the light and choose instead to live in darkness. Oh, my friend, does that describe any of you today? The Lord has come to us many times, also today, in this message. He has come to us in his word. Graciously, tenderly, lovingly, he invites us to come unto him and be saved. Have you done so? Have you responded to his gracious invitation? Have you come to him as a poor and miserable, undone sinner, confessing your sins? Are you looking to him as the only hope and ground of your salvation? Are you striving by the power of the Holy Spirit to put sin to death and to live to the glory of his name? Oh, do not be like the people of Galilee. On them a light shone, a great light, the greatest light that ever shone upon the earth. But they loved darkness rather than light. And now most of them, sadly, are in hell, forever lamenting the fact that they did not repent and believe when they had the opportunity to do so. My friend, do not let that happen to you. Rather, respond to his summons. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us, 
and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can visit the, the donation section of our webpage. Our webpage again is banneroftruthradio.com. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.